the new fully electric Audi e-tron GT. Enjoy the breathtaking performance and design of the future of electric mobility from Audi. With Quattro-inspired flared wheel arches and matrix design LED headlights, every element has been carefully considered and selected to help deliver a thrilling drive. And with an acceleration of 0 to 100 kilometers per hour in 4.1 seconds, the Audi e-tron GT is performance electrified. Start the future now and visit audi.ca to learn more. It's been 14 months now since the pandemic reached Canada, and many office workers are starting to wonder if and when they'll ever see their colleagues again. I'm Gabe Friedman, host of Down to Business, and this week I spoke to Doran Melnick, a partner at KPMG and national leader of the firm's people and change practice in Canada. Many office workers are itching to return to the office, according to a survey that Melnick's firm oversaw earlier this year. But there's a clear desire for a hybrid model that includes not only remote work, but also some work inside the office. We talked about this and burnout and what the vaccine rollout in Canada means for office life. As always, the interview was edited for clarity and brevity. Doran Melnick, thanks for coming on the show to talk about returning to the office. Thanks for having me, Gabe. It's my pleasure. This was a survey of around 2,000 people. Can you maybe sketch out some of your survey's findings about what percentage of people are interested in returning? Like, how do different people feel about this prospect? Yeah, so so let's start, first of all, with the survey itself. We surveyed about 2,000 Canadians aged 18 plus at the end of March. And so we were generally looking for Canadians who are not frontline workers, but are rather working from home. What we learned is that three in five want to return, but a lot of them are also worried. So 70% worried about taking public transport, close to 70% worried about contracting COVID from a colleague. We know that they've got concerns and want to know that they're coming back to a safe workplace. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and at the same time, half still feel like they're productive or effective working, virtually working from home. Now, that's less than last year. We ran the survey last year. It was more like 60%. Now it's down to 50%. But still, you know, half the folks want to continue working from home in some capacity because they feel like they're more productive, which is a very interesting finding. Yeah. This is actually kind of a stealth controversy because if we go hybrid and some people are remote and some people are in the office, there's all sorts of research that being remote can lead to things like less promotions. There can be in-groups and out-groups at the office. What did you find about this? Right, Gabe. So you talked about hybrid workforce. And so just to define what we're talking about here, it's exactly as you as you described it, where a worker might be working from home one, two, maybe three or four days a week even and spending some of their week in the office. It's neither fully remote and it's neither fully in the office. And we believe that's a reasonable expectation because people understand that there's some work that's better done in person and there's some kinds of work that can be done anywhere, really. So it seems like what people want is the best of both worlds. And that's completely understandable. Now, at the same time, they do have some concerns about how it's actually going to work. And we did find that four in five of them had some concern that their organization isn't prepared to manage a hybrid workforce. So if you think about it, if you're a team leader or a manager, put yourself in their shoes for a moment. Let's say you want to run a meeting and half the people are there in person with you in the room and the other half are working from home. How are you going to run the meeting? It's going to be relatively easy for people from home to tune out or maybe even to be ignored because out of sight, out of mind, or uh, maybe someone's going to a whiteboard and sketching a diagram. How are those people going to follow along? That's just a simple example of something that a team leader or a manager is going to have to figure out in order to make it work effectively. 
I also know that, you know, a lot of people who enjoy working at home, enjoy working at home because they have responsibilities for children or something like this, that tends to fall to women a lot of times. And the research shows that if they're working from home, they're going to suffer setbacks. What can we do to sort of prepare even? Organizations do need to prepare if they want it to run effectively, because if, if, if it can run effectively, it can have really big benefits, both for the organization and for the employee. So it's true that employees do benefit from remote work in the sense that they save commuting time. In some cases, they can save a lot of commuting time. And that actually increases equitability for employees who are working farther away from the office and some of their colleagues. They can choose to, you know, to use that time for dependent care, uh, whether that's children, elderly, spouses, whoever. They can choose that time to pursue other, you know, other things outside their work life. And they can also choose to work more and, and invest that time in their careers. If they're, if, they, if they're fortunate enough to be in that situation, then, then fantastic. The challenge for employers, you know, is, to get it right is, is, is not to disadvantage people. People who are not in the office or, or, or not around as much, they are subject to bias. And, and this does happen, not, not for every manager, but some managers do have biases. They believe that if you're not there in person, you're not very committed to the organization. And the bias is real. It's been shown in research. And so the question is, well, how do we account for that? How do we put in guardrails? Well, I'll just give a, a simple example. Some organizations have recognized that managers do have natural biases when it comes to deciding who should be promoted. And so what they've done is, instead of giving the manager the full authority to make the decision, they've given the authority to a committee. And the committee reviews the case of the employee, the case for promotion. And if you have a diverse committee, you can mitigate the bias that might be there in, in a single manager. So these are the sorts of tactics or approaches that companies can use, organizations can use to fight against that bias and give people a fair shot and a fair deal, regardless of where they're working from. Yeah. Huh. And do we know what the battle lines are between like who really wants to go into the office, who will probably spend more time at home? That's going to be a combination. We think of uh, the role that the employee works in. It's going to be uh, affected by the industry they work in, the culture of the organization, and also their own personal preferences. So let, let, let me unpack that for a second. Uh, the most important thing is the role that the employee is filling. If the role requires a lot of interaction with other workers, it needs face-to-face -face interaction with customers or suppliers. Obviously, that kind of role is going to be less amenable to working from home. But, but jobs that are dealing more with information, dealing with analysis, dealing with writing, these are the sorts of things that can more effectively be done from home. And then what we're also seeing, some of the research that's been done show that there are differences across industries, industries that deal in information like technology, like financial services, like professional services, the industry that I'm in. It's just it's easier to adopt remote working, whereas industries such as manufacturing, you know, food retailing, entertainment, hospitality, logistics, these are much more in-person industries. And even their office staff they may experience a culture that values in-person interactions. So it'll depend on the kind of culture that the company wants to create for the office-based staff. And then finally, the individual themselves. We hear a lot about extroverts and introverts. Introverts were celebrating the pandemic because they could get a lot more work done and be less distracted, whereas the extroverts were kind of drained by being by themselves all day. That's all real. And so we might see personal preferences come out in, in that situation. Okay. I mean, it sounds like there's no sort of firm evidence that it's going to be like, you know, young people versus parents or singles versus, you know, couple. Like, it sounds like there's no clear battle lines yet, though. 
Yeah, that's that's a good question. I was going to go there next. What we didn't see in the data is a clear trend across demographics. It seems like no matter how old you are or whatever your life situation is, you'll appreciate the flexibility. That's understandable, right? If you offer someone flexibility, ability to make choices, most of the time they'll say yes. And and different depending on your age bracket, you'll find different reasons. Uh, anecdotally, I've heard from my own staff, even though some of them are just out of university and looking to interact a lot with colleagues socially, they still want to be able to work from home one to two days a week and take care of things they need to take care of. And then you've got you've got parents. Yeah, it makes life easier if you need to take your kids to an appointment in the middle of the day or kids are learning from home, which is still a big thing. We don't know how much longer that's going to last. But as long as it's going, parents will appreciate the flexibility. And then, yeah, the more tenured uh, people in the workforce, they, they've got their own reasons, too. One of the interesting things is like, although many people have been working from home for 14, 15 months, it's not the cleanest experiment because I know a lot of parents who have children are also kind of trying to like monitor and manage their child's learning because schools are closed in a lot of provinces. Do these results about how people feel about working from home, do they generally jive with what we know about working from home? I think our research is consistent with studies that others have done when they've asked people, do you feel like you're more productive from home? The majority say yes. And that that tends to fluctuate up and down depending on how they're feeling. But anywhere between 40 to 70 percent from the studies I've seen are reporting that they're feeling more productive. But it's true that the burnout and the social isolation are also real. And there was one study done, I think it was by Microsoft, uh, that said almost half of the people they surveyed were, were even considering leaving their current job because they were looking for a change. So yeah, there are definitely the downsides and people have mixed feelings about it. Again, that it gives you another reason why hybrid working seems to be a good answer because you, you can work from home and you can work from the office. Uh, you're getting best of both worlds there. The rule of thumb I've always heard is that people are more productive in their own house, but they're possibly more creative when they're surrounded by their colleagues somewhere. Is that generally a good way to look at it? I think a lot of us do look at the up, the upside and the downside of working from home in that way. So they we're asking ourselves, what's the right work environment for me to do different kinds of work? where, you know, heads down, quiet work, you can do that from anywhere. And collaborating with my colleagues, solving tough problems, you know, coming up with new ideas, much better done in the office. That's probably true for most people. I think we're going to have to find our way and see what works. But this is, it comes back to the point I made earlier. I think team leaders can create that environment for their teams where we can agree on simple guidelines so that, you know, we know when we're going to be in the office and why. I want to pivot for a second to vaccination. Canada, I think at last check, was like 4% of the population. And if we look to the United States, they did really well for a while. But the stories you heard was that they were running into a lot of anti-vaccination sentiment. Is the return to the office going to cause a lot of people to get vaccinated, do you think? It's a good question. I think everybody, each person is, is going to make a decision based on their own values you know, what the survey tells us is that many of them do want to return to the office. And they're also worried about whether they might contract COVID from a colleague. In in fact, 57% of who we surveyed thinks employers have the right to demand that staff be vaccinated. So uh, I guess for the folks who want to come back to the office, they would feel reassured if all their colleagues were vaccinated. But this is where it gets complicated, especially in Canada, because the government hasn't made vaccination mandatory for all Canadians. So employers are in a bit of a, they're, they're in a gray zone. They, they, there's no clear cut yes or no answer whether an employer can legally require their staff to be vaccinated. 
you have to navigate, I guess, two or three concerns. One is an employer needs to provide a, a healthy and safe workplace and be able to demonstrate to employees that they've done that. But they also need to respect human rights and privacy rights. And so, you know, it's it, this is going to be a difficult decision for employers. And I do recommend if anyone is contemplating something like this, that you do get legal advice because there's a gray area. So organizations do want to be on the right side of the law as they make these decisions. Okay. Where do you see it all leading? Do you think we're going to go back to the office anytime soon? I think so. Either based on what we're seeing in our survey, there are enough people who want to come back and, and are willing to come back and take the risks. And they're going to be asking their employers, you know, when, when are we opening up? And some employers are going to open up and tell their employees, okay, we expect you to come back. And if you've got concerns and don't want to come in, you, you've got to let us know so we can have the conversation. So I think either it's going to be a push or a pull, but we will end up with offices reopening as the vaccine rollout progresses, maybe as early as September for some organizations. Huh. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about this. Any last predictions you want to make before we get off the call? I think just generally, now that we've proven that we can work from home productively and there are benefits for, for people who are fortunate enough to have a quiet workspace at home and can make it work for them, there's a benefit for organizations as well. And so if we can figure this out, it's going to be great for everyone. It's going to be better for companies. It's going to be better for employees generally. And so I think there's an opportunity for organizations to just dig in, try things, learn, experiment, tweak as you go. And if you get it right, the benefits are there because you, as, as an employer, you'll be offering and yet you know another benefit to your employees, which will make it easier for you to attract people and retain people, create the right culture that you want for your organization. Okay, Doran, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. That was Doran Melnick, a partner at KPMG and national leader of the firm's people and change practice. Thanks to Bryce Hall for music and production, Yudula Hussein for editing, and Pamela Heaven for web support. If you enjoyed this episode of Down to Business, you can rate us on your podcast app and share it with a friend. I'm Gabe Friedman, and until next week, get all your business news at financialpost.com.